Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host discussing the wonderful world of landscape photography today. This time I'll be talking to Adam Edwards, or Adzie Edwards as he's known on Instagram, about his landscape photography journey. Adam is Broken Hill based and his portfolio includes some stunning outback scenery from far west New South Wales, as well as South Australia and the Murray-Darling Basin. He's keen on a good sunset and really does a great job of capturing the Australian outback in places and in ways that many may never see. Some of you will know him from his live feeds on Instagram, where he'll take viewers on a shoot with him in the wonderful outback around his hometown. We'll be getting to know Adam a little better and we'll talk about how he got started with landscape photography, what are his workflows for outback photography, and how he's developed his style, along with an encounter with an unfortunate emu. I hope you enjoy the show. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, going well. For you know, despite lockdown, it's a bit, um, yeah, bit depressing not being able to get out and shoot. But you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing what I can, and you know, this podcast is a bit of a, a bit of that, bit of activity to keep the brain stimulated and you know, be a bit creative when I can't be uh, out there shooting, unfortunately. But um, when, when was the last suck. time you got out? Sorry. Oh, it must suck. I see these guys have had some absolutely beautiful skies. Yeah, no. While you've all been in lockdown. I'm, I'm, I'm also out in Western Sydney, so for me to get to the beach, you know, it's, it's okay for a Bondi or a Bronte shooter, you know, they, they can sort of walk down there with the phone. And and um, I, I actually saw a uh, on the news this morning a, a, a tog with a, uh, a tripod down on one of the beaches getting spoken to by the, uh, the, the, the police, so... Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's an essential job. So, <laughs> so or, or exercise. Yeah, no, that's it. Uh, I mean, the the walking to and from, fair enough. But yeah, for me, I, I can't leave the local government area anyway. So uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of stuck where I am and, until it all blows over. But uh, yeah, where, when was the last time you uh, got out to shoot and where did you go? I mean, you don't have those restrictions, so you, you can go any day, can't you? Yeah, pretty much. So um, I've been doing a series where I've been exploring a lot of the local landscapes. Uh, and actually yesterday afternoon, I've got out and I've got a mate that owns a property. So nice. we went and had a look in a in a paddock that's locked. So not many people get to go there and um, found some like amazing, <clears throat> amazing locations. So I'm really keen to get out there in some good conditions. Yeah, yeah so was, was that just sort of a scouting trip, was it? 
Yeah, I took a few snaps, but, um, yeah, more so scouting because I have someone with me. Uh, my process generally is just to just to walk through the scene myself, especially sure. with this stuff that's that's local. I like to just sit and think deeply about it and, and try and um, work through it. But because I had a mate with me, yeah, we just we sat back and watched the sunset and took a couple of photos and... Uh, just had a look through. Um, I'd scouted the whole location on um, Google Maps. So oh, we sort okay. of just went and had a look at some of the things that I thought looked a bit interesting within that sort of probably 20 kilometres or so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Nice. Really good. So what does your workflow look like for shooting and setting up for a shoot like that? Yeah, so it's forever changing, I think, Um as I develop in that landscape space, it's always different. But currently, I guess there's two, two ways that I'll shoot a landscape. One is that I'll go and spend the time completely by myself, you know, wander, just look for something. Yep. Um, but the other that I do quite often, and you've probably seen, is I'll go live on Instagram and talk people through my process. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to talk to you about that in a bit more depth uh, a bit later, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the same as most, I guess. I like to feel what I'm about to photograph, um, and, and it sounds a bit fluffy, to be honest, but I, don't, I think until you, you're in that headspace, you, you don't understand, you feel a composition or you feel a photo before you see it. Yep, um, yep. And it's particularly... I'm trying to sharpen that skill because going to some of these local places around home lately that are completely unexplored with a camera, I'm really having to wander around and get a feeling for what's going to make a nice shot, what I'm, yeah. what styles I'm shooting at the moment, you know, because that forever changes as well. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what, what about when you get at home? Do you, uh, you know, stick it straight in the computer and get editing or do you uh, normally let it sit and uh, um, ferment for a bit? Yeah. <laughs> I'll always have a look, um, particularly because you have that bit of a buzz, I think, yeah. after you've been out and done a, yeah, you done can't a wait to You can't wait to at least have a look at it. <laughs> Especially if you know that you've got something. You know, if you know that you can turn the vision into the, into the result, then I, I just can't wait to have a look. Yeah, um, but yeah. what I do do these days um, is I like to do a quick look, a quick edit, and what I'll often do is I'll just export an image to um, a OneDrive that I can look at on my phone. Sure. Yeah. And it's very rare I'll post or, or share it with anyone after before I make maybe ten changes, uh, and because I'll just look at it and I'll come back to it and I'll come back to it and I'll come back yeah. to it until. I'm really comfortable with it. And then that's when I'll share it. Yep. So it's got to be a really good shot to just go, I'm going to share it tomorrow or yeah. I'm going to put it out there today. Um, but, yeah, I, do, I definitely like to have a quick look, get a feel for how it went. And then generally I don't do too much post. Like I'm lucky to do five minutes on a photo maybe. Yeah, okay. So what, what, then, what are your main adjustments? Well, I always um, expose to protect the highlights. Yep. So my raw images just about always look underexposed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably the first one. Then just play with the, um, you know, the highlights, shadows, whites section in Lightroom. 99% of my stuff's done in Lightroom. Yeah, okay. And, 
And then uh, I just wander through and get a feel. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've been shooting has very, very little done. Um, but what I'm trying to do more so at the moment is add some depth into a frame. So sometimes I'll, yeah. I'll put a gradient filter on and maybe add a bit of haze off in the distance or something just yeah. to, add, to draw the scene out a bit. But beyond that, maybe a couple of radial filters. I probably use more local adjustments now than global. Yeah, um, yeah. Just just touching tiny bits, maybe plus a little bit here and plus a little bit okay. there. And so you're not you're not doing any exposure blending or anything like that. It's just straight out of the camera and into the into Lightroom. Yeah, not unless I have to. So yeah. um, there's a shot I posted recently where there's a there's a tree taking most of the foreground and. Yep. And it was a really, yeah, I think I know that one. Yep, really wide dynamic range. So yeah. I couldn't get that that in one shot. So that's like a two or three exposure blend, a three, yeah, I think, right. just because it was an automatic. Um, I used the automatic exposure bracketing in the camera. Yep. But um, I find the the newer model cameras, like I, I moved from the D850 um, to the Z72 now, then. The newer they get, the more dynamic range you have. Yeah, it's, so, it's getting up there. It's still still not as good as your eye, but it's it's getting there. Yeah, it's amazing. Like um, there's stuff now that I will shoot to protect the highlights, and I'll be I know that I've got that shot in one shot. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. even sometimes not having to use any filters, graduated filters. Like I'll avoid it if I can. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's more about the result than the process for me. Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get that. So where, where did, what got you started? What's your earliest pho photography memory? Oh, um, I remember being in primary school and mum bought a, a pretty reasonable quality film SLR um, mm -hmm. before we did a big holiday. We went away and, and, you know, did a few rolls of film and come home and some of the photos, I was like, wow, like the quality of that is brilliant. Yeah. Um, I guess I've always been very arty. Um, Mum's right into arts and crafts and that definitely um, come from her because I love to draw, paint, anything creative. Yep. Um, cool. Throughout school, I did a lot of arts and crafts, but then I couldn't wait to leave school and do a trade. So, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I sort well, of you, you, um, you got to make money somewhere. There's not much in the arts, is there? <laughs> uh, I mean, I was I was doing really well at school. It wasn't about um, struggling with um, the academic side of things, but I just always wanted to be a mechanic. So okay, cool. um, the first opportunity I got, which was um, at the end of year eleven, I, I dropped out and went and did a heavy diesel trade. Okay, so. Yeah, that gave me a few years off, but it also gave me an income to be able to buy a camera when I was keen to get back into it. And, um, yeah, it just went from there. I bought a Panasonic Lumix all-in-one, shot yeah, nice. everything with that. And then I think by about 2003, I went and bought a Nikon D200 and haven't looked back since. Yeah, uh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's 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 the reason for landscape photography versus all the other genres that are out there? Uh, I love the process. So it's it's a grounding process for me. I, yeah. I love the time exploring, the time, you know, taking time to take in the scene, 
um, creating something sometimes beautiful out of something that's not necessarily beautiful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Rust, rusty old gate, for example. I know, I know yeah, or an old it. car, yeah, or an old car, 100%. or yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess uh, the caveat to that is, is when, when I got right into photography in the early two thousands, I did make a run at doing it more professionally. So I did a lot of commercial yep. portraiture, weddings, and all of that stuff. And um, I, I learned a pretty hard lesson was in shooting to pay the bills it becomes a job so it becomes yeah, you, a chore yeah you, yeah you you don't like it quite as much eh? <laughs> no no i mean i i look back with the, uh, those memories very fondly because i learned a lot about business and a lot about photography and yeah. and all of that but i also look back to a point where i put a camera down for about five years four years you know yeah right and, and just had no want or drive to pick it up um, and went through a few changes external to photography in life and then decided because I travelled a lot for work that I had some really good opportunities to see some cool places, so any, anywhere pretty much in all of Australia. Um, and then I just started to take the camera with me and I just couldn't put it down. And nice. because I had learnt that lesson and have always said I, I must have knocked back probably five weddings and 20 portraiture shoots in the last few years, but I, I want to really stay true to the fact that I'm only going to do what I love to do. Yeah, okay. So what, you, you, you touched briefly on what, what your style was. What, how would you describe it? And how, uh, I guess it, also how has it evolved from where, where you kind of started in landscapes and uh, to, to where you are now? Yeah, I, I, I believe I've probably taken the same route as so many people. I think... Um, I've always loved to shoot landscapes, but when you first start out, you really heavily process your images and you get really, you know, saturated. Yeah, saturation of, up to 100, yeah. <laughs> lots of clarity, <laughs> lots of all of those good things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think slowly you you learn that less is more. Yeah. Um, Sub so subtly, subtly in the art is really where it's at in the... Yeah. Absolutely. I'd say probably in the last 12 months, I've really focused on trying to represent what I see rather than, you know, the version of image that I feel like everyone wants. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I really want to be at that point where I'm, I'm producing an image that I see at the time from my memory. I don't care about photorealism or any of that stuff like that. It, it honestly doesn't matter to me. I don't care if the sky was was blue and I made it purple. But if at the time I saw it as purple, that's what I wanted the final result to be yeah, because that's right. where photography becomes art in my in my mind. So to be able to put out an image that you visually see, I think that gives other people the opportunity to see, you know, the world through your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And the best bit about that is, is then you start to produce really consistent images. The more you can you know, flex that muscle and the more you're producing stuff that you're really happy with and you don't care what, I don't care how many people like it or dislike it, I'm producing something that comes straight from me and um, since I've done that, I've noticed I've just got a much more consistent look to my images um, and compositions and, yeah, I just think that's your mission as a 
as an artist of any description is to be able to show the world what you see. Um, so there's too many people make time to produce what the world wants to see and then you just get lost in the sea of, of all people. Cool. So what, um, what, what's the most important thing about photography that you tell your 10-year-old self? Oh, it's probably on the back of what I just said, I think, is yeah. um, produce the stuff that you want to produce. Um, don't, don't try and pay the bills by doing something that you don't want to do um, because you don't, you don't ever want your passion to become a chore. And I think it's too easy to let that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you've got talent and you've got skill and you, you really enjoy it and I think go for it, but definitely don't sell yourself out. I feel like a lot of people learn to dislike what they do purely because they're trying to pay bills with it. Yeah. If you can pay the bills with it, fantastic. And there's lots of people that do do that. Um, but if you if you sell your passion into a job, then what do you what have you got? You yeah. know, you've got to go find another passion or another hobby or something else to be that yeah, relief to from me. normal yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I I get exactly what you mean. I mean, for me, it's it's about the creative outlet and being able to escape from you know what what's a relatively high pressure job that I've got, you know, and you know, de- dealing with dealing with what's in my head and getting it out by just going out, you know, looking at a scene, as you said, and, you know, trying to trying to work your angles, trying to work your, your composition so that you, you're getting the best out of it, you know. It doesn't always work, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, uh, for, for me, it's just about that, you know, relaxation of being able to, you know, de-stress, think about solely one thing, which is how do I make this the best I can make it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I listened to a few podcasts about, you know, personal growth and all of those sorts of things. And one thing that resonates with me about people that have, you know, a passion or hobby or, or an escape is that whatever that thing is, it, it's something that absorbs you for a period of time. So it's something that you, when you're doing it, you don't think about anything else. Yep. You know, and, and just, you know, even that 10, 15, 20 minutes in your, in your photography afternoon where you don't think about the stress at work, where you don't think about the stress at home, whatever, you're just completely in, into getting a result or thinking about a composition. People do, you know, martial arts and boxing and all of the same things. And I think um, one of the uh, podcasts that I listen to a bit is Gary Jubilant's crime podcast. And one of the yeah. things he said that resonated me with me, he said, it's hard to worry about all the stresses in life when you're getting your head punched in because he does yeah, mixed exactly martial it. arts. Kind of focuses the mind, yeah. Yeah, and I, like I find that with photography, I'll, I'll pack up and I'll drive out and I'll, I'll be thinking about everything on the way there but from the minute i stop and put the camera in hand up that's it it's all gone you know yeah. I'm just purely yeah. con- focused on what i'm doing yep yeah. no I, I i know i i feel you it's it's exactly the same for me so when 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 you say you go out right you're you're out at broken hill so you know the the outback is really your your playground in terms of photography what what What's your favourite spot there? You know, I, I know there's a few famous ones, you know, Silverton and uh, and whatever, but you know, what what's your favourite? Uh, probably the lakes at Menindee. 
So yep. it's that's only a hundred kilometers or so from Broken Hill, um, but more not just because it's it's beautiful place. Like you could spend weeks there and never take the same photo. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, I've got a lot of family memories there. We we sort of grew up spending every other weekend in that area. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. But that and Silverton, like I've, I can shoot the same building at Silverton every day and still enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's one building that I just lo- I love. I get a different angle every other day, and, and the, the scenery around it changes throughout the year. And you know, you go at night, you go at sunset, like it, it just changes so much that it, you could go there every day and still love it, still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but like I've been really focused on trying to get out and photograph landscapes that aren't a thing. Yeah. You know, it's not the popular spot. In fact, most people wouldn't even think twice about it as they drive past it on the road. Yeah, they they are just driving past, and it's you know some scrub on the you know on on the red earth, and not not really taking any notice of it because they because they're doing one hundred and ten kilometers an hour and not not thinking about taking photos. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and I think um, there's so much unique landscape in Australia that isn't the normal. You know, like places like Uluru, like I haven't been there since I was a kid. Yeah. But yeah, that rock's amazing. But it's surrounded by some of the best desert in Australia, some of the best yeah. mountain Every direction mountain ranges. there's a scene, yeah. Yeah, and it's never exposed as it should be, I think. Everyone yeah. goes and gets the shot for Instagram and moves on. Um, one of the places I want to explore a lot more when we, when we can travel is back in the Flinders Ranges. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's very much the same. There's lots of the very the very same photos, you know. There it's either an aerial of Wilpena Pound, or there's one or two lookouts where you get a really good view. Yeah. But outside of that, there's nothing. But it's absolutely stunning. Like it's yeah. it's the most beautiful landscape. Yeah, and I I, I just love the the, the colours of the the Australian outback. You know that that deep rich ochre red. That you yep. get in the in the soil, the the greens that you can get, particularly after a bit of rain, you know, and and the the wildflowers when you know they come out each year, you know, so and and even as you as you said, you know, the rusty old car and you know the uh, you know the rusty gate and so forth, you know, and some of the old buildings, you know, the uh, even the abandoned ones, you know, they 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 just the the unique. You don't see them anywhere else in the world, and I, I just, you know, I, I, I just think they're uh, they're an amazing thing. I, you know, living in Sydney, unfortunately, you know, it's it's mostly about beaches. You you might go and do a bit of waterfalls and whatever, and, and the cityscapes. But uh, yeah, I, I I love it when I do get out there, but I don't get out there anywhere near as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realise that New South Wales extends past Lithgow. Yeah, the, well, I, I, <laughs> I, I have some people at work that I think uh, they, or sorry, they think the West starts at Pitt Street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's how it is. But I want to, like to, the, the, the funny part of it is, is you have to travel six hours to get anything that remotely resembles outback from the, from the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah oh, you, so yeah. you're not even going to see it till you get, Maybe that, to Dubbo, it. but even that's agricultural outback. That's, well, that's it. Right. I mean, until you until you get out past Condoble and there, right in the in the centre, you know, out past Lake Cardellico, it's all still agricultural land. You know, and even yep. you know, 
I mean, I wouldn't go so far as saying you'd have to get to Darnick before you, you see the outback because <laughs> you see it a bit before then. But yeah, uh, yeah. There's, uh, there, there's, there's been a quite a big push this year, though. Um, there's been a lot more um, metro tourists out this yeah. way. So it's been really good to see um, because of all the state border lockdowns and the international travel bans and things like that. A lot of people have been coming and actually seeing the outback. So, yeah, it's been seeing places that they, they don't normally go. Yeah. 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 No, I know, I know exactly uh, what, uh, what, what that's about too. Because, um, I mean, where, where I work, we, we do quite a lot of that sort of promotional stuff to sort of try and encourage people to get out there and, uh, and do that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I, I think it's really important. I, I, I love international travel, you know, and, you know, go to Iceland or the Faroes and whatever at the drop of a hat. But, you know, yeah. I'd also equally go to Broken Hill or Silverton or, you know, Uluru at the drop of a hat too. And I, I think you should explore around your, your own backyard, you know, as much as you possibly can. And by, by your backyard, I don't mean, you know, within, you know, 20 or even 100 k's you know uh, yeah. around here i mean there, there there is a phenomenal number of shot you know places that you can go shooting around sydney but uh yep. I, I think you know getting out past as you say getting out past lithgow and getting out into into the western plains and out further you know the the there's some stunning stuff around some of the the riverlands and uh, and whatever. There's you know the, the Murray Darling Basin has some amazing scenery as well. And yeah, you know, I mean even just some of the old trees that are still there. You know some some of those 150 year old river gums that uh, you know sit sit there on the bank of the uh, of the Murray or the or the Darling. You know the they're, they're just phenomenal subjects. I think you know, but there's and, still and trees. You can't see a lot of them. You know. No, and there's still trees there with carvings from the first explorers. Yeah, so like, exactly. Yeah. Where, where in the world can you can you go and see things like that? And I think the challenge in, in Australia, even if you're isolated to a conversation about New South Wales, is how big it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think um, you, you could easily drive for two or three hours before you've seen it, something that really tickled you for a shot. Yeah. Um, if you were just exploring, but... When you get that shot that you know nobody else has got, yeah. then that's that's got to be there's got to be some gratification for that rather than looking on Instagram and there's nothing wrong with it. I use Instagram a lot to research locations. Yeah, looking on there and picking it and going in to the exact same location as someone else. I think that it's good. It's good to create beautiful stuff, but I'm I'm really getting a lot of. Um, of gratification out of going and finding and creating something that no one has seen and 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 people want to go to. Like I've had some in, inboxes about where's this? Like, yeah. How do, how like, do I find that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you start heading west. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, so. I'll see you in about a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because it'll take yeah. you nearly that long to get here. <laughs> yeah, and even I've seen a massive spike in um, visitors to places like Mungo National Park and yeah, and that, that, like that that's become uh, real really popular. In, Insta famous, as as they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it worries me a little bit because it's such a special area. Yeah, it's a, it, it is quite a delicate landscape too. Yeah. It, yeah. But um, yeah, and I, I think that that's one of the one of the issues with 
social media and uh, you know the the ability for people to see and and as you say, you know, well, where's that? Oh, I've got to go there and take take the shot and yep. you know make 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 it insta famous and be part of that. You know, I've I've got that shot. Um, yeah, oh, look, I've played to it. Uh, I've yeah. played oh, every to, everyone know, does, you know. I mean, yeah. you, you look at my shots of uh, <laughs> of the Sydney Harbour Bridge or, or the Opera House. That's exactly what that is. You know, they're iconic, and people 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 love those those shots. You know, and if you can get yeah. something that's a little bit different or a little bit unique, then great. But uh, yeah, I, I I think I mean, it's not like people walking over the Harbour Bridge or you know or under it or taking photos of it's gonna gonna make it fall apart but a place like mungo you know to the the pressure of you know high volume tourism in there would would be devastating i think and uh, i know that they've done a lot of work to you know to to try and restrict anyone you know you've they've got the the little raised wooden paths and those sorts of things but you know yeah People still get yeah, you're not allowed in certain areas. <laughs> yeah, that well, look, that's what worries me because um, I did a cultural guided tour there, and you're walking on fossils. Like literally, yeah. if you go out to the wrong area, you're walking on fossils and and remnants of ancient fire pits and all sorts of things that uh, that are really need to be protected. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like um, modern modern civilizations already ruined the landscape because without the grazing it wouldn't have created the erosion and the landscape that's already there yeah that's right um, which is it's beautiful uh, but you know i think the benefit places like that have going are they are a lot harder to get to and yeah, accommodation is yeah. really hard to come by so it's pretty pretty unique experience but yeah definitely. you see it in the blue blue mountains all the time places that become a bit famous and you know you might as well put a highway in out to the spot where you get the photo yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you you do quite a bit of astro out out back, so you know that that's obviously for for me to get dark skies like yours, I've got to drive six hours. <laughs> but um, you know, you, you you can sort of you know how 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 long does it take you to get away from the light pollution, so Broken Hill and Silverton and that. Yeah, so, uh, well, literally maybe 10, not even 10 minutes. You yeah. can, it just depends on what area of the sky you want to photograph. Yep. So I probably don't do nearly as much as I'd like to. I, I promised myself this year that every time the moon phase was good, I'd get out, but I've been out twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's a bit of a struggle. But if you want to shoot um, the Milky Way rising, um, then you head out towards Menindee, not even 10 minutes. And the closest lights is Menindee, which is a population of like 40 or 50 people. Yeah. Uh, and it's 100 kilometres away. Yeah. So that's, that's the next lights other than one or two for a homestead here and there. Yeah. So, um, and if you want to shoot the, the Milky Way setting, you drive out towards Silverton and the same thing. Yeah, once you're out over the Monday, there's, Monday there's, plains, there's nothing yeah. for hundreds of kilometres out, out past Silverton. No, you can even see the the um, very tip of the Flinders Ranges from Monday Monday Lookout. So oh, that's, that's hundreds good. of kilometres away on a clear yeah. day. So yeah, yeah, it, it, we're really lucky for that. Yeah, I think um, some nights I've been out and the sky's been too dark. So <laughs> like you, you expose and you just can't get anything but black in some areas of the sky. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't claim to be an expert, but um, I think having um, really good dark skies 
helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So do you use, uh, for, for any of your shots, do you use star trackers or are you just doing like the, the standard 20 to 30 second, um, you know, slightly higher ISO and uh, and F1 point, whatever you got on the lens, you know? Yeah. Um, I bought a, a star tracker last year and I've used it once. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they're quite fickle um, to get polar aligned. So that's something yeah. that I need to work on. But the time that I got it right, the results were absolutely amazing. Yeah. I was able to shoot the Milky Way at ISO 400 instead yeah, of wow. whatever, whatever I, I would normally use, depending on the night. But one thing that I found um, really helpful is um, just stacking images. So just using yeah. Sequitur or one of those software just to stack the images and um, that does a really good job. A lot of my posts lately have just been um, 20 or 30 second images uh, yeah. stacked. So, you know, eight or 10 images stacked. Yeah, so you're culling out all the noise and just getting your, getting your stars nice and sharp. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I want to get out and do a bit more longer focal length stuff. Um, yep. Most of my stuff's all at, you know, 14 or 18 mil uh, where you can get away with a bit. Um, uh, longer shutter speed but if I can get the tracker sorted I'd love to do some sort of medium field sort of you know uh, 50 to 70 mil stuff just to get that really rich detail in the sky well I've got a I've got a question from uh, one of of the audience um, they they sent in uh, this is from Glenn Crouch Uh, how creepy does it get when you're out shooting astro in the outback (laughs) I've actually packed up and come home. <laughs> it, yeah, like it, 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 it really does because um, you, you hear all those talks of Min Min lights and all the all the weird anomalies that happen when you're sitting in the quiet by yourself. And I remember um, in late twenty or late in the twenty nineteen Milky Way season, I I went out and it was just a pitch black night. Like you, you could not see. I I couldn't even see the setting you know, the, the legs on my tripod without some extra light. Wow. And um, I stayed there for as long as I could before I was like, nah, that light's definitely getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, uh, I know the area very well and I yeah. know in my head that, it, you know, it's a homestead maybe 20 or 30 kilometres away and it's probably just the, the yard light out the front of the house. But, yeah, yeah it, it is pretty, pretty creepy. Well, it's always it's better to be with that- Popping into, yeah. the, into the head. It's it? always better to be out with someone else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do, you, uh, do, but, do you shoot with other people much or is it pretty much solo? No, as much as I can. So I like anyone that comes to town that I, I know even reasonably well, um, I like to make sure I make time to at least shoot a sunset with them or something. Yeah. Um, purely because I really love the community part of the, of the landscape photography you know, community, like I love the networking and and actually physically talking to people that you talk to uh, on and off is really good. Um, but, yeah, I'd say all the local stuff, I probably do 90% of it myself. Yep. Um, my stepson's been coming out in the afternoons after school sometimes. Um, but it's only really since we've been really bound down that I've done a lot of local stuff. If you look at... Um, everything sort of the year or two previous to last year, I did most of my stuff was travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess it's that, um, 
you know, that, that comfort of what you see every day it gets a bit hard to shoot sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I spent a lot of time in Sydney, a lot of time in the Blue Mountains. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like, sometimes think that about the Opera House. You know, it, it's a go-to, but sometimes yeah. you think, yeah, well, there's only so many angles and there's only, you know, so so many ways to shoot it and you, you kind of go, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different. Yeah, agree. Uh, but obviously since all the COVID stuff's happened, I, I use it more and more as a release. Um, yeah. So I, I try and get out at least once a week, but normally it's two or three times. Uh, and I'm always planning a trip because I think in planning a trip, you've got something to look forward to. Um, and yep. that's just a coping mechanism for life in itself, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've only got, well, I've had mine ripped out from under me the last couple of weeks. I was going to New Zealand next week, but um, yeah, like I'm always planning something or I'm always on Google looking for what, I can shoot when I go somewhere or, or um, I've always got, I've got this um, pictorial of all these awesome trees in my head on my normal travel routes that one day I'll be there at the right time and I'll stop and shoot that tree. Yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that sense of community uh, that you talked about earlier. Um, I noticed on your page, you got a, a DM request with the hashtag community over competition on your, your Insta page. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing a bit more about that and what that means to Yeah, for sure. I just, I love interacting with people and I, and I reflect on what I've learned and know about photography and I wouldn't have learned or known that without some good friends and community to help me. Yep. So I, re I really enjoy telling people how I made an image or there's no protection for me. There's one thing that I won't tell people and it's where a particular location in my feed is because it's a private property and just to respect the people. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't really have secrets. Like I think um, everyone gets better if if it's like that. I, I really dislike that competitive nature yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of things. So, yeah, I kind of reveled when Instagram took the like count off of off of everyone, but I noticed that they've given it back to us. Yeah, they've given it back. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I definitely think that that break from that actually changed the community quite a bit because everyone um, previous to that was just so focused on, oh, look how many likes. Yeah, how many followers, gone. how many likes, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whereas I like, I like to look just because I like to see what people's community looks like. You know, how, what's yeah. the, what's the engagement? How many people follow them? just more as a as an interest it's almost a bit of a hobby and, yeah. and like for people doing well i'm just so happy for them because it's such a hard sort of market that social media absolutely but even when it comes to printing or any of that sort of stuff you know any of my closer photography friends i've helped them helped them get some prints through trade accounts that i've got for my stuff and like why why protect that stuff rather than help someone produce something if they haven't yeah. done it before. Yeah. I, I think that's a that's a fantastic attitude towards it, you know. And unfortunately, I I know that there are a lot of community-minded photographers out there and, you know, I, they're, they're the ones that I like to associate with and, and spend my time with. But, you know, occasionally you just come up against these, these people that, you know, it, it's all about me and so forth. And, 
It's kind of like, okay, well, okay, you want to go off on your own, go off on your own, that's fine. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I haven't got a lot of time for that. I just tune it out. I've got yeah. really good at just ignoring it. Like I'll, I'll pat anyone on the back no yeah. matter what if they have a success because I think it's a, most people's result is, is, a, is a success of the entire community that surrounds them, not, not an individual effort. Yeah, it's kind of good. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do that uh, feature Friday every Friday morning. Well, try. Yep. I didn't make it Friday morning last week, <laughs> but uh, uh, had a, had a few things on at work. But um, you know, for me, one of the things that I look at is you know, if it's a quality shot, I don't care whose it is and whether they've got a hundred followers, fifty followers, or a hundred thousand followers. You know, I'll I'll post it. Occasionally, though, you know, if, if somebody if if I notice that it's you know some somebody that's you know well known and whatever, I probably tend to steer clear of those because they don't need any more attention than they're already getting. Um, and but for me, though, that I, I I find it really nice when. You know the guys with a hundred followers or whatever. You know they're they're there, you know, just saying thanks, and that that's all it takes is just just the thanks. Yeah. I don't do it for the thanks. I do it because I love their shots and I want to share them with more people. You know, so from my perspective, that, that that's one one of the ways that I I like to sort of bring the the, the community together a bit. Um, and for me, it's also one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast is to you know, to engage more with the community and, uh, you know, if, if people get information out of this that they can use in their photography journey, then, you know, I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to as many, you know, inspiring photographers as I can find so that, you know, other people can also be inspired and hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll get a listen on this and, and, uh, and enjoy their, their, their journey through photography. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I, if I, if, I think the thing I struggle with, um, with that, and sometimes I do struggle to get back to people. It's just the time that it takes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I always enjoy seeing your feature Friday because you, you sort of gather up the shots that sometimes I don't get time to see or or, or anything. Yeah, well, that, that's the know, thing. I mean, I, I know that. going, I, I know going through my feed. I don't, I don't see everything that's there and for me it's it, it's it is about you know tr just I, I just pop them in a in, in a save folder for specifically for that which I clear out each week um, yep. and you know for me it's about making sure that you know the the, the ones that it really caught my eye that I did get to see that I, I can share them and pe people you know get to see them because you know from from my perspective they they deserve to be seen yeah yeah, you know, no, I like them or don't like them, I don't care. But yeah, uh, it's, it's awesome. That's how it should be. Um, and like even things like that, knowing that um, a save helps someone's reach. Like when I, if I yeah. like your photo and and we and we talk, or even if we've just interacted, if I like it, I save it too. Like it's just automatic because I know That's that that right. helps someone. Yeah, yeah, little things like that. Yeah, exactly. So what, what, what do you see as the, the impact that social media is having on photography in general? Is, is it good, bad, indifferent? Yeah. 
I feel mixed about it, to be honest. Yeah. I think um, it, it has a lot of positive impact, obviously, because it gives people a platform to share what they do with everybody. Um, I think yep. that that's the ultimate goal and that's what, you know, things like Instagram were created for. I think if, if the community doesn't have the right majority of the right mindset, then it becomes that competitive space and all of a sudden people just don't use it for what it's there for. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then there's the, the impact we touched on it earlier about the whole, you know, the impact of the environment locations and um, all of a sudden everyone knows where the next great shot is and, and it, it kind of frustrates me a bit, but I think it's, it's a necessary evil to, yeah. to have that platform to communicate. And, you know, like I was involved years ago in the DSLR users forum. That was, that was even before Insta, you know, yeah. and that yeah. was the only way you could communicate with, with other photographers online and share your work. And, and it was frustrating because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of effort and um, it's a limited community to share things with. Um, but I think, feel like, um, you had a lot of quality engagement, whereas you get a lot of tokenistic engagement um, these days. Yeah, yeah. I think for, for me, one of the things that is missing, one of the things I liked about, so I, I uh, had a bit of time in, uh, I, I think it could have been the Australian Photography Forum. I can't remember the, the, the name of it because uh, I haven't used it for a couple of years. Um, but I, I really liked the... Uh, constructive feedback aspect yep. of that. And that, to me, is the thing that, you know, Twitter and, you know, Insta and Facebook, et cetera, it, 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 it's all about the likes and it tends to be all about the, you know, the, oh, that's a great shot and that's all you get, you know, yep. which is nice because you get that serotonin hit and whatever and you, you feel good about yourself because you've got somebody saying it's a nice shot. But... Yep. You know, the, and, and it's not like I want every every Tom, Dick and Harry, you know, picking, picking apart the shot. Oh, I don't like the, the, the shade of blue you used in the sky or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But for, for me, having somebody look at the photo in a critical manner and, you know, give you constructive feedback and say, okay, well, you know, you, you've just slightly overblown that highlight there, you know, because you've dodged it too much or whatever, you know, yeah. that, that, that sort of feedback to me is the gold, you know, because then I can hone the craft. You can get yourself into a, you know, a, a mindset where you're looking for those sorts of things. Yeah. You know? I remember, um, you know, learn, learning a lot about controlling noise in underexposed images simply because, I got some constructive feedback because I'm, you know, trying to expose for the highlights and all those sorts of things. You know, yeah. you, you you do underexpose and then you know your shadows they can get a bit noisy if you if you go too far. You know, if you haven't got your settings quite right. You know, for sure. and so that that sort of thing to me was was gold because it helped me, you know, learn how to how to, you know focus on what I needed to do both in the shooting but also in the editing if I if I found I did get a bit 
too much noise, then how do I actually use noise reduction the right way to, to, to yep. clean it up, you know? And so for me, that kind of constructive feedback is, is the bit that's just totally missing. And I don't, I don't know, I, don't, I honestly don't know how it would work in forums like, you know, Instagram or Twitter. It's just it's probably an impossible ask, but, uh, you know, and it's probably yeah. better suited to things like, you know, the bulletin board sort of style forum. Uh, yeah. thing, which is moderated and, uh, and so forth, but because uh, you, I mean, you'd have a lot of lot lot of people chimping at your uh, at your work, you know, to just yeah. chuck and poo at it because they felt like it, you know, not because they were actually being constructive, you know. Yeah, I, I actually, I guess the way that I do that is I've got a fairly close knit group of guys that I trust. Yeah, to like I'll, I'll always send my images out. Hey, what do you think of this? Something new. Um, and I think the the difficult part of the feedback piece is that um, you need to know that the person's actually willing to receive feedback. Yeah. Like that's the struggle because I think we're in a bit of an age where we have a few fairies around that don't don't like even the most smoothly delivered constructive feedback yeah so, actual so, constructive feedback yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like I'd, i i i would never um you know sling shit at anyone's work ever no matter what i thought of it you know i would always try and offer something constructive but i think we're in this in this big group of people where that's not the case for a lot of people yeah. so yeah. you've got to know whether someone is actually willing to accept some feedback. So every now and then I'll see someone that um, I engage with enough that I can send them an inbox and say, hey, do you mind if I give you some feedback around around this? And and just ask whether it's okay. And nine times out of ten, it's an okay. Sometimes it's oh, I'd prefer that you didn't. So that's that's cool. But I agree. I think that quality engagement piece, like I said in the forums, you would always get really quality engagement, and especially yeah. if it was moderated. Yeah, so I think that's an opportunity is to engage in some really specific online groups like the, the Nikon community that um, I've been engaging in where it, it, it's got a feedback culture rather than just, yeah. you know, thumbs up or, you know, a, a really tokenistic engagement where where it's sort of welcome the feedback. And I think it's probably up to the, to the, um, the person to seek the feedback rather than, People just want to freely give it in in the day we're in nowadays. I think at time gone by, you were getting feedback whether you liked it or not. But <laughs> I think now, <laughs> yeah. now you probably need to build yourself a group of people. And even if it's someone that you respect or idolise, reach out and say, hey, do you mind if you give me some feedback on this image? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that with a couple of... Uh... You know, large, larger name photographers that I know that you know they got their own gallery and that sort of thing, and you know one of the reasons is I, I, it's not that I want them saying it's a great image. I want to know how to improve. I'm I'm looking to you know understand photography better and understand the craft better, and you know getting feedback from these guys that have got years and years of experience and you know building a business and understanding what what it takes to to, to make fine art photography, you know, they're, they're the guys that can provide you with some of that feedback as long as they're willing to do it. You know, you've got to, you know, you've got to approach it in the right way and you've got to, you know, um, 
you know, make sure that they're open to it. But uh, once you do, I think I think it's it, it, again, it's just you know, absolute goal. Yeah, yeah, agree. And people that can um, can make a living out of their prints have have a special talent. I think like Absolutely. to turn it from what something that looks amazing on a screen to something that looks amazing in print. That's just a skill that you 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 don't just have. It's something that takes a lot of learning. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a real craft, and you know the the guys that understand that color and light in and transferability from screen to print. You know the, I mean, I've, I've printed a few things, and they've come out okay. But I, I reckon I could improve it a lot if I knew a lot more about what I was doing. You know? and and they're the they're the kind of things that I'm I'm really interested in learning more about. Um. Yeah. You, you mentioned the the live stream, and I said I wanted to sort of talk a little bit more about that what 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 started that off and you know what why do you do it and what 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 what's the what's the motivation what do you what do you think uh you know people people think of it um i i guess i started it because i seen that the feature was there and i thought i'll have a crack at this and see what it what it's like um it quickly turned into some really good conversations and that's what i love about it so um, I get a few questions during the live, but generally I just find myself wandering on about whatever I'm doing at the time or, you know, sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, this is a bit weird. But what I find is it's really um, strengthened some of the engagements I have with, with this bit of community that I'm building. Like it turns into yeah. a conversation afterwards about, oh, I noticed you were using this or I noticed you were doing that. Why, why do you do that? And they're the conversations that I just... I love having with people. Um, anyone that has been around me will say, you know, once we had a bit of a joke about it at the start, once you start talking about photography, it's pretty hard to get get me to stop. So <laughs> I um, I just, I really enjoy it. And I think particularly now, I, I, I feel like making the effort to do it because I know lots of people can't. Yeah. So in the afternoon when I when I head out for a sunset, I know that people are probably sitting at home wishing they could get out as well. Yeah. Uh, and I've had, like I must have had 20 or 30 people comment and say, oh, we've been really enjoying that because we, we're sitting at home and can't go outside. Yeah. So, no, I've, I've, I've got to say the ones that I've been able to get onto, unfortunately, so this time of year, they tend to coincide when I'm trying to wrap up work. So I don't... Don't get to to jump on uh, on Instagram until about six thirty, seven yeah. sometimes. But um, you know, for for me, the one I, I I've really enjoyed you know watching you go through your process and talk a bit about it, and you know, and, and and as you say, wamble on about stuff, you know. But yeah, that that, that that's part of the the fun of it, I think. You know, just you know, watch, watching and and seeing what another human being is doing across the other side of the state. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I hope people get a bit of, bit of comedy in the level of frustration I have sometimes when it's, like, really good and I'm trying to put the legs of my tripod down while I'm holding a gimbal and <laughs> trying to do everything at once. It's like, oh, I've just got to stop hanging. I've got to put you on the ground. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoy it. And and I guess I was a bit hooked from the first time I did it just purely because it started some different conversations. You know, like it, it started and I'd get off and I'd say, well, like 400 people seen that. You know, a lot of people yeah. don't stick around for the for the whole lot. But yeah, yeah. There's there's a core group of people that if they jump on when I'm five minutes in, they'll watch me for an hour. And yeah. I'm like, wow, 
like how amazing is that? Because then yeah. we have some conversations and some days the photos might not be great and someone wants to talk about the setup I've got in the back of the car or, yeah. you know, like it, it, it can turn into anything. It doesn't have to be about how I'm taking this photo. It's why I chose to go to this location or, you know, what, I, what I've done to make this easier or, you know, why I'd choose a certain filter and all of those sorts of things. And I think um, just the quality of the conversation that comes out of that every time. Uh, like I would, I would guarantee I start a good conversation out of every life. Yeah, yeah. I got a, got another question from uh, the, um, the 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 crowd. This one from uh, Billy's Clicks. What's the closest call out in the outback while you've been shooting? They're all Ooh. they're all worried about uh, Wolf Creek for the sounds. Of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick Mick doesn't live out here. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I've I've had a few. Um, probably well, it wasn't even a close call. It was it was an incident. It was um, rushing for a sunset with a friend and and obviously not speeding or anything, but collecting an emu right in the door of my car. The emu was fine, but my car wasn't. Yeah, um, for, for the viewers overseas, oh, sorry, not viewers, the listeners overseas, if you haven't seen an emu, they're not small. Uh, it's like an eight-foot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty solid. Uh, but, yeah, oh, there's always something, especially when you're pushing the limits of where, you, where you're trying to go or... Um, yeah, like always something, but that definitely is an incident. Um, the wildlife around here at that time of the day is pretty bad. Um, yeah. it's not, not so bad at the moment, but, um, you know, and just getting tangled up and losing time too. If you're on a time schedule for something, I've, I've quite often done that where I'll get tangled up and I should have been somewhere or done something and, and all of a sudden I've missed that. But, um, yeah, no, no Wolf Creek incidents yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. What, what's the worst thing about being a landscape photographer? Oh, just the, it, it, it's part of the good thing and a part of the bad thing, I think, is, is you're constantly dreaming about where you're off to next. <laughs> <laughs> The constant so desire to be somewhere else. Yeah. It's catch-22 because yeah. it, it's what keeps the mind ticking and and often if I've got a spare 10 minutes while I'm eating my lunch or or whatever, I'll find myself on Google Map <laughs> just wandering around, even yeah. even though I've explored, you know. I've been, been in a few meetings, particularly the last couple of weeks on because I'm working from home, uh, on on. Microsoft Teams, and uh, you know, I'll I'll start thinking about planning a, a shoot that I don't know when it'll come, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yep. I've, I've yeah, struggled with that. that, that that's it, it is distracting sometimes because your mind mind starts wandering to where where you're going to shoot next. Yeah, and then it's it's kind of it's distracting, but it's motivating in all oh, the same sense. Yeah, yeah or, or I guess the ultimate worst thing is when you you're somewhere you really don't want to be doing something you really don't want to be doing. Yeah, and it's just amazing sky or amazing light. Or yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> it's a bit like the the last three or four days here in Sydney. Look, looking at the skies, going, I could be out knee deep in seawater at the moment, or. You know, standing standing at Circular Key, looking looking through the uh, th through the lens. But yeah, it's not not to be, unfortunately. There's been yeah, some that, 
That'd definitely be the worst thing, I think, is just that either that, that constant dream state and and definitely the uh, yeah. being somewhere you don't want to be when there's somewhere else that's amazing. Yeah. So what what do, you, what do you like to do when you're not shooting? Oh, um, yeah, so I'm a bit similar to yourself. I've got a pretty full-on stressful job. Um, that takes up a fair bit of the day, but just spending time with family, honestly. I think... Um, we do a lot of travel to see my family, uh, majority of them are in Mildura. So um, we travel there when we can uh, every second week. So you see a few of my stuff comes up is from that area as well. Yep. Yep. Um, but, yeah, but between work, family and, and photography um, and then the travel in between for photography and to see family, that's that's life filled up. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like last... Last and prob- probably the most important question of the night, um, pineapple on pizza? 100%. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is an important question, definitely. <laughs> I'm with you. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's been really fascinating sort of to learn a lot more about your your photography journey and you know what what you do and how you do what you do where where can people find your work uh so yeah a few places obviously instagram which is just uh at at the underscore edwards um facebook but i don't uh, to be honest i take the lazy approach and just post my insta post to facebook so it's that's pretty much it. it's just a different audience uh, and, yeah, I've got my own website, which is just uh, Um So, yeah, I've got a bit of a blog section there, um, which I try to update. I've got a few drafts happening. Um, but, yeah, mainly Insta. Like, I feel like that's still the best forum to engage with people, honestly. Yeah. I, th- I know there's a lot of talk about turning it more into a video platform, but every um, poll or conversation I see, um, the users still want it to be a photography platform. So I think in the end, you know, the, the users will triumph because if they try to turn it into TikTok, everyone will well, just go elsewhere. Yeah, everybody abandons the, the, the platform. They're, they're not going to be making the money they make now. So. I'll be like you or I switching to, you know, um, gardening on your Instagram feed. You know, you yeah. lose... You'd lose your following, oh, yeah. and that, it's the same as Instagram's built around a community to do with yeah. sharing photographs. I did, I, it's funny. I, I see a lot of people on uh, on on Twitter that have supposedly migrated from uh, from from Instagram to to Twitter, and uh, there, there seems to be a lot of whinging that their engagement is is really low. You know, the, and I don't know whether it's they're just after likes or whether they're after comments or or what. But I, I mean, I I'm, I'm I know from my own experience, I'm seeing growth sort of week on week, month on month. And okay, yeah. part of that's probably because of the the amount that I do engage. But it, I, I'm I'm. I, it, my experience isn't the same as theirs, and I'm kind of looking at it going, yeah. I mean, and I've been on Twitter for ten years, and I've, I've, I've I don't know, I, I don't know how many followers I got there, but not many, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't dived into the Twitter Twitter sphere or whatever. Yeah, I, I just find find it really weird seeing some of the conversations, you know, panning and you know, whinging about how bad the algorithm is, and 
yeah, anyway. Well, it just, it's always changing, right? So you can never expect it to be the same. No, and I think okay. it's a big community in the broader sense, but even just uh, tonight we mentioned a couple of different people uh, and, and we both know them. Like the, yeah. the legitimate community that's really centred around uh, something like landscape photography in Australia who are going to quality engage with your work is actually pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. The, the end users who want to chuck a thumbs up or a like, well, that's a different story. Yeah, totally. Um, because, yeah, people love beautiful photos. Yeah. But I no, think well, they're, they're not yeah. the people that are going to engage with you constantly. I think you just need to aim to have that group of people, you know, that is your community, that yeah. you do have quality engagement with and forget about all the numbers that come with, yeah. you know, all, all the other stuff. To- totally with you on that. Totally with you. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, thank you very, cool. very much. Um, no worries. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. Hope you enjoyed the show and we'll keep listening because I'll be joined for, with some great guests in upcoming episodes. I'm Grant Swinbourne and hope to see you out shooting soon.